surround the stadium. Now he's digging deep. The crowd is roaring. Their hero is coming on. Will it be a fairy tale? Now it is cemented for Michael Diamond. And there in the middle, and the crowd erupts. Australia win! New world record! This is a famous victory, a magnificent performance. We have just broken the American stranglehold on this race. The roof is lifting off this stadium. The, the winner is, 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 is. It's all about a fair go for those who have a go. G'day and welcome to Have A Go Special Olympic Coverage for Tokyo 2020. My name is Dave Edwards and I'm joined by Dane Eldridge. Dane, mate, how are you? Mate, I'm fantastic. Uh, it's great to be with you again, mate. These Olympics are going to live long in the memory, aren't they? We think so. It depends yeah. how long we're around to enjoy the, the aftermath, um, see how this pandemic plays out. But mate, today we're going to go back to a defining moment in Australia's sporting history because we need to feel good again as a society, yep. and that's part of the service that we're providing to you at Have A Go, are these special episodes where we focus on, on individual moments in Australia's Olympic history. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, I want to go back to the Olympic swimming selection trials of 2004, yep. which was very, very defining for multiple reasons. So basically, and I'll set it up, in the qualifying heats for the 400-metre freestyle, Ian Thorpe, we all know him, we all love him, Yes. Australia's greatest ever swimmer, let's be honest. Greatest ever Olympian. Greatest ever Olympian. Yes. Slipped on the blocks of the trials of his pet event and fell into the water <laughs> before the starter's gun fired, leading to an automatic disqualification and denying him the opportunity to defend his title at Athens. Mate, I normally start episodes by saying, how good was it? But this wasn't good, was it? No way, mate. This was not this was not good at all. And it was it was two thousand and four wasn't that long ago, but it was long enough uh to be that uh there's none of this bullshit that we live under today where everyone gets a second or third go because that's the world we live in. It was one in and one out. And Torpedo yep. he fucked it and he was out of the Olympics, wasn't he? And it was a time when emotion just collided head on with you know, indiscriminate swimming law and old blokes with Seikos, you know what I mean? And, and it was just a huge, huge war, wasn't it? It was just the good old days when we were divided over just cool stuff like swimming and yeah. everything didn't have to be endlessly debated on the drum. So um, <laughs> it was a good time. That's right. Yeah, it was It was a bit unlucky with the torpedo, wasn't it? Because, you know, it's you flinch, you're out. You know, an involuntary muscle twitch equals the end of your career. I mean, that's elite sport. But, you know, we finally found out that the superfish was human. I know. It's, it's weird to think, isn't it? Uh, he grew up. He, we grew up with him. You know, he, was, he came onto the scene as a teenager and he was just fucking good from the get-go, wasn't yeah. he? And that's all we expected from him. And, and, uh, but Size 16 this, feet. I remember reading about 30 articles on that. It was an anomaly. He was, was superhuman. It wasn't all the, the uh, you know, the predictable jokes that men made after that as well. Yeah. And I mean, the guy was, uh, he, he had just such a, a cool disposition, didn't he? he was, yeah, he was uh, cool. He had that uh, cool slick back hair. You know, his right. feet were literally like flippers. He was amphibious. He was not really human. <laughs> He was. I mean, uh, he probably you know, caught the attention of WADA, who would, you know, they would have said, there's no way these fucking things are natural. But <laughs> I mean, but this, this happened, it just blew everything out of the water, didn't yeah. it? I mean, we, the, the, his, his whole uh, superhuman persona was dashed. And, you know, up to that time, my only memories of him were, you know, he had an exquisite stroke, you know, he had a sublime dress style and, and yeah. just how he used to make Rab say Fukuoka. 
um, you know, back in the swimming trials and everything was dashed. So, mate, it was he was victim to the one start rule, which was brought in by the world swimming governing body FINA in 1998, despite protests by Australia. So we didn't like it then. And now we know why we didn't like it, because we didn't get that second bite at the cherry. And the Mm. Olympics, they're bloody cutthroat, aren't they, mate? You get one shot. I think Eminem's Lose Yourself was actually based on the anxiety you feel right before a swimming heat because <laughs> it would be it would be bloody nerve-wracking there, you know, standing on the blocks waiting for a gun to go off because, I mean, Australians are scared enough of guns as is. Oh, that's right. And it's amazing to think that, the, um, that swimming has a rule where there's one chance and you're out and to think that, you know, our footy codes have a double bite at the cherry if you finish in the top four. Yeah, I mean, um, three you know, strikes for drugs in the AFL. That's right. It's just take pretty much take as many turns as you need. Um, and, and swimming still has this archaic um, one shot at the title. Yeah. Um, and you know what? We were bloody pissed off about that, weren't we? And it's not that anyone really knew about it until yeah. it happened. But when we did, we went, this needs to change. Well, we'll get on to the way that it divided Australia in a moment. But in terms of the immediate aftermath, I mean, what could he do other than lodge an appeal? Which he did. And one of his uh, contentions was that a noise caused him to jump the start. I mean, what what plausible case could he have lodged here? Well, yeah, I mean, it was a long long time ago, mate. So, you know, 2004. So it it couldn't have been a smartphone and the, the trials were being held at Homebush too. So it couldn't have been a crowd either. So um, <laughs> I don't know if it was, you know, maybe a pager, uh, maybe yeah. someone, someone sneezed or maybe there's something more evil at play. Maybe it was just the sound of sponsorship dollars going down the drain. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it was, you know, it was 2004, as you say, that's around the time of the Iraq war. I mean, we we're all a bit on edge then. Let's be honest. There was a lot of talk about weapons of mass destruction. Maybe yes. Thorpe heard, thought he heard a sniper. Yeah, so as soon as, yeah, as soon as Thorpe fell off the blocks, I just thought terrorism. That's <laughs> just straight away what I thought. Do you remember that time in the NRL when they had that um, issue with the phantom siren? It was a bloke who used to go to games and just he could like perfectly imitate the siren and he used yes. to do it in like the dying moments before the end and there was no one knew who that bloke was maybe it was yeah. this bloke and it was so it was so like they're so close to the the original that it was only detectable to really keenly trained ears like Vossi um, <laughs> yeah. yeah and other but no one else could pick it um, in the end though we 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 whittled him down to Dragons games so I think he was a Dragon supporter yeah. So I don't know if there's a correlation there between him and uh, between St George and and Thorpey, but you know we could be onto something there. It could be, and yes. I think uh, you know Thorpe's manager obviously came out and supported him as all good managers have to. One of his claims was that he was left on the blocks too long, okay. which contributed to him falling in. <laughs> okay. I thought he might have said something like, "I was bullied in school," or you know, "My parents were right. divorced." Yeah, that's yeah. a pretty popular one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we talked about how it divided Australia. It really did. I mean, and it was down predictable lines. You know, yep. literally, you were either on one side or the other in Australia, as you have to be on literally all major issues. Yeah. And there were the stickler traditionalists who. You know, and I assume the argument there was, you know, if we let this go, then what next? You know, like the gay marriage argument, you know, animals will marry, etc. Yeah, that's um, right. And some of the people that were on that side include Don Talbot, yep. uh, Kieran Perkins even, called yep. for selection policy to be upheld. Yes, that's right. And then on the other side, we had, you know, Shane Gould, a you know, swimming bohemian in this situation who urged for the laws to be relaxed. And yeah. looking back on it, mate, it was Australia's first taste of the culture wars, wasn't it? You yeah. Know, it, was, uh, it was law and order versus the free thinkers. You the know? bleeding hearts. Yeah. That's I mean, right. if Twitter was around then, there would have been an explosion of teardrop emojis. 
Oh, wouldn't it? Would, the Aussie flags and the, uh, and the and the teardrop accounts would have been going to war once again. But it's just played out in, in, in like so many of the debates that we have today, conservatives versus defund swimming Australia, basically, in the end. Um, and, you know, it was, a, it was a chilling insight as to what awaited us these days. But it was interesting, mate. I mean, it was, it, it was emblemic of like a changing Australia. The context, Australia was changing in 2004, wasn't it? Certainly was. It's exactly what I thought when it happened. I mean, uh, Thor- <laughs> it feels like the- Australia's changing. Yeah, yeah. Thorpey's on the blocks too long. And geez, Looking glasses. Jeez, oh, shit's different around here, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. There's many, many, many things that were going on at the time, mate. And um, and uh, this was probably the last thing we needed, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Looking at the list here, there was a in the same year that um, that that happened. There was a, a lot of um, uh, major issues that that occurred in Australia. You know, there was a. Asylum seekers that endured yep. a hunger strike in Nauru, uh, Redfern riots. Mark Latham's um, handshake. That's well. That's right. I mean, uh, you know, Play School aired a segment about a little girl and her two mums. Oh and, um, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I think, I think that's, that's about Mark a two-week news cycle on so that one. Vigorous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was that was when <laughs> that was when Mark Latham really got involved in the safe schools debate. He's, he's, he certainly did. And uh, all of it was eclipsed by a swimming technicality, so it was a simpler time. Yeah. Well, mm. I mean, Prime Minister John Howard, he weighed into the debate. And you know it's a big debate that's stirring national attention when the when the Prime Minister feels compelled to jump in there. Um, he kind of hedged his bets, though, a little bit. A bit of a fence sit, I think. Um, mm. He described it as a tragedy. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, as you rightly say, responded with more troops to Iraq, so that was the obvious reaction <laughs> yeah, to make there. But what would, I mean, what, would, what would Scott Morrison have done today? It's a oh, tough one because leaders need to be able to take the nation's pulse at a time like this. They certainly do. I mean, I'd, I'd say ScoMo would have probably reacted in kind and probably just blamed it on the state premiers yeah. and then probably asked Peter Dutton to um, ship Stevens to Nauru um, yeah. to get it sorted out. That's um, He's always by the book, ScoMo, yeah. and I can't see why this would be any different. <laughs> so, so there was obviously someone who made this ruling on the day. So the umpire, the bloke who called this, who called Thorpey, Yep. Uh, for the false start. He was a tough old bastard. I had a look at him. Um, even tougher than the referee that disqualified Jane Savile in the walk at 2000. Oof, wow. I mean, do these blokes love the limelight or are they just sticklers? They're definitely the type of blokes dobbing on people for COVID breaches. Yeah, I think I think the, the, these judges, they're, and they're all volunteers as well, which makes yeah. them even more sad. But Which means they're, also they're not accountable because they're volunteers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, were you going to strip me of my wage? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, they're just a real type, these old blokes, aren't yeah. they? I think... They're, they're sticklers, and they're generally, I'd sum them up as just old blokes who don't give a fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're, they're at that it's age. It's like people who are scorers at local cricket clubs. There's yeah, just something right. fucking off about that. But they're, you know, they're obdurate. You know what I mean? They're not prepared to budge for anything, and they, they're not scared of anything except like a prostate check or the internet. You know what I mean? They just, they're the kind of blokes that just sort of mow in thongs. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't give a shit if I lose a foot. You know, I'll just catch the courtesy bus. I don't really care. <laughs> and I'm going um, to, I'm going to, I'm going to bloody um, disqualify Thorpe as well. So do your best. Well, listen to what he said. So his name was John Kepi. And he said, no, it wasn't a tough call. We explained to referees coming up that it doesn't matter who's on the blocks. They're just a person. To me, it was just the athlete in lane four who started before the starting signal. It was the only thing I could do. Otherwise, I would have lost the respect of my colleagues. I would have lost the respect long-term of the coaches, the public, and everybody else. To me, whether it was a 12-year-old or a 14-year-old, the rule would have applied. Fuck, it's good to have these people in society, isn't it? It is, it is, mate. You know what? And I, I, I 
my heart was filled with joy reading that. You know, yeah. just he looked at Ian Thorpe and all he saw was a faceless vessel. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and you know what? It's good because nowadays we've got bloody NRL refs calling players by their names. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Society's in decline, mate. We need more blokes. Call like them Kevin. by the number or fuck off. You're not my mate. Yeah, exactly. That's right. I, I mean, this bloke's probably someone's dad, but he's got yeah. a fucking heart of stone. That's and I right. like it. Doesn't matter. I don't, I don't care if you're a 12 year old. You fall in the pool, you're out. Fuck off. That's how <laughs> Australia should be. Now to the rowing at the 2004 Athens Olympics, and it's the final of the women's eights. Australia firmly in medal contention here and will be represented from lane six with its team consisting of five elite rowers from the AIS, two from our revered university program, and one champion amateur who lists her day job as a lifetime public servant. And we're away. And with 500 metres to run, Australia is terrifically poised for a medal, only half a second from the lead. But wait, it looks like one of the rowers has dropped her oars and stopped rowing. It's the amateur, the 12-year middle manager at the RTA. She's lying down and pointing to her watch. Let's cross down to the arena for more. She seems to be signalling it's 3pm local time, and as we know, this is way past knockoff for a public servant. In fact, most of usually down tools by two, even if it's a taxpayer-funded boat race. Incredible! Now she's remonstrating with her teammates and demanding her extra rowing be credited towards an RDO. Otherwise, she'll get the union involved. Amazing scenes! Further reports now coming in. Apparently, she's willing to recommence the race but only with approval from her supervisor, who would require a clearance from her line manager, which would then need to be ratified by the HR executive, who is currently on 24 months study leave on full pay. <laughs> Assuming this would also need to be arranged somewhere between her six CBA-mandated afternoon teas as well. Yep, and a 32 annual sickies. Have a go podcast. Have a go. Welcome to the Have a Go podcast. Have a go. Podcast Australia. Australia. So in terms of the fallout, mate, so you got to think about the other person on the other side of this. So mm. the recipient uh, or the winner of that heat, Craig Stevens, um, yep. he was going to go to the Olympics and compete in the 400-metre Thorpe's pet event. Mm. He folded under the pressure. There was a he lot did. of outcry, as we know, and there was a lot of people calling for him to stand aside, give your yep. spot away to Ian Thorpe, national hero. And he did it. Can you believe yep. that he did it? I mean, you know, what an honourable thing to do, but also what a cat, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, he, 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 you should have stood up to the rest of Australia and a lifetime of eternal, unconditional hatred from the Australian public and went to those games and ran fifth and fulfilled your dreams. Yeah. Um, but he didn't. Uh, but, you know, in the end, he was, he was rewarded uh, quite handsomely, wasn't he, mate? Well, he was. I believe he was paid $130,000 for the interview rights uh, by Channel 7, which is probably about half of what Thorpe made on the Corpies circuit post-04. <laughs> but he was... I mean, Thorpe was attacked by Perkins, so the good, strong bloke, Perkins, yeah. attacked Thorpe for accepting the decision. So there's no winners here. I mean, at the moment, you know, you got Craig Stevens giving away his position and then you got Thorpe getting attacked by swimming royalty in Perkins. Um, you know, Perkins described it as a very, very sad tale for Australian mm. sport. And said the pressure put upon Stevens was disgusting. Wow, strong words, isn't it, mate? And like you said, there's no winners in this war. Uh, well, there was one winner, and that was Channel Seven, basically, because uh, basically they got to fulfil their 
lifelong fantasy of of, of having Thorpe uh, race. We've sold and a lot get, of ads around that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Lots of ratings, and they also got to market Stevens as a good strong bloke. So yep. you know, um, everyone won in the end in the Seven Network camp. <laughs> I miss the old today tonight a current affair ratings wars. Weren't they just free to air networks just competing over the rights to a tell all story, which just yeah. nowadays just gets tweeted out over a notes app screenshot. <laughs> I think the notes app killed a current affair. It's just it was good old days when like two entry level journalists would fight for a bone, you know, over a, you know, fighting over a dodgy painter or something like that. Yeah, you know, this is my story. This guy ripped off this family. Piss off. <laughs> yeah. So this all led to the famous headline in the Sydney Morning Herald. It's your race, Ian, at $325 per metre. So that was mm. a crack at Stevens for accepting that fee from Channel yep. 7 to sell his story. I mean, can we blame him? It's probably the first time he'd ever made any real money from swimming. I mean, he might have had a mortgage, a young family. We don't know what drove that decision. We can never yep. know. I mean, I would have preferred if the, um, you know, the headline was something like, Steve-O, please ensure you declare this in your tax return. You know, yeah. something helpful. Um, but yeah, I know. I think that was the automated text message you got from the ATO directly <laughs> right. afterwards. Something, it's just an email in his MyGov account. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, again, it just lends itself to what we're saying before, mate. It just got grubby, didn't it? I mean, Ian Thorpe was this beacon of, of, of it was, uh, it was clean cut. Oh, it was everything that we, everything that we heralded in our, in our athletes. And it just got down to dollars and cents. Is this what we wanted? You know, the, the prism we wanted to see Thorpey through? Well, yeah, I did because it was funny. But yeah, yeah well, but, but what about funny, everyone yeah. else? No, yeah. I mean, if you look back at it, I mean, it's hard to see what the big deal was to some. I mean, some might argue it wasn't much of a big deal because Stevens still got on the plane. He was competing in other events. Yep. Thorpe obviously went on to win uh, the gold medal. So result, yep. you know, boon to national uh, sentiment and happiness. Probably There's probably a graph that will indicate that we were happier after that result. Australia was happy. Channel 7, obviously happy too. Any yep. losers? Tracy Grimshaw, basically. Right. Um, yeah, that was the only one. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure she's landed on her feet as well. So, yeah, probably not. Well, I'd like to probably go against that because I think that we all lost in some small way from this event because I think that it showed that Australia is not a meritocracy and that laws don't really matter. I mean, yes. what do we tell our kids about this, mate? You know, when we have to tell our kids about this story, and we will, or when we have to force feed them this podcast and they ask, yeah. you know, what were you talking about, Dad? What are we going to tell them? You know, that you can still fall in the pool and win gold? Well, yeah, but also conversely, mate, I mean, it, it, it goes against that that, that favourite trope of the, you know, the avocado-eating students of, of the lefty sect mm. who like to think that, you know, Australia likes to model itself as a laid-back country, but we're actually an absolute stickler for rules. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I think we were split right down the middle, mate. And, you know, like you said, on one side, there was, a, a you know, a line of thinking that was, you know what? You can be slack and go to the Olympics at the cost of some other really nice bloke, as long yeah. as there's, you know, a, a journalist who's willing to pay him for his story. Whereas on the other hand, you've got all these other Australians saying, tut-tutting and saying, no, there are rules that need to be upheld, uh, lest we lose our, uh, our uh, larrikin streak. That's right, mate. I mean, some might be kind of trying to portray this as like a Gallipoli-like sacrifice from one <laughs> mate to another. But I just see it as just yet another small step towards the general malaise of Australian society that we find ourselves in today. And this is where it all started for me in 04, at the trials. And look where we are now, mate. Referees are calling players by their names. I mean, I'm, it, yeah, there is a correlation there. All right, mate. Craig Stevens. 
huge in the headlines in 2004, but where is he now? That's the question that I've been asking myself, you know, one second before I started typing into Google and found out exactly where he was. <laughs> so I have seen a number of articles about him through the years, mostly articles with photos of him just looking out over sea, just exuding inner calm, saying yep. that he's at complete peace with the decision. Mm. But check this out. I'll give you a little update on what happened to Stevens after 04. So Stevens won a bronze medal at the 2007 World Championships in Melbourne. And when gold medalist Usama Malui from Tunisia was disqualified for failing a drug test, Stevens was hastily promoted to silver. Mm. He said, I was asked to send back my bronze medal to receive my silver, so I sent it to Swimming Australia, but I never got the silver medal in return, Stevens said. Swimming Australia were going to chase it up from their end, and unfortunately no one there knows where the bronze medal went. It's disappeared. And they said they did not receive any silver medal. So I don't have any medal, bronze or silver. That's a bit disappointing, not having something to show for the achievement. But it's life, I guess. You don't just swim for the medals. But it would have been nice, he said. With all the stuff that's happening with Russian athletes being disqualified, hopefully people who get advanced have better luck and actually get to receive their medals from people who are disqualified. So bloody hell, man! This all just goes to show you that there is no place in this individualistic society for a good, strong bloke. There's not, mate. And if there is, if there hasn't been a death knell that's rung before now, then that one's as clear as it as you're going to get, isn't it? I mean, the moral to the story is don't fucking try. Really, just don't try anything. Don't try, uh, and don't, and don't get nice. Swimming Australia to chase anything up because they won't fucking even read your email. No, that's Bloke right. searching for his medal, no response. Couldn't find it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, did you keep your receipt? Uh, no, I didn't. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Yeah, we, we don't have any record of you running third in that race. No you one know, has it, anyone checked either. Where is this medal? Yeah, did they find? I don't know. Maybe make. they have found it by now. I'm not sure. I think the article is from 2009. But anyway, think, Stevens yeah. was obviously too nice for his own good, mate. I mean, how did that? How did he slip through the cracks? I mean, didn't why didn't the AIS or Swimming Australia mould him? into being a hard-nosed, hyper-competitive psychopath, just mm. hell-bent on gold over everything else. How did he slip through the cracks? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, competitive sport is no place for someone as nice as Stevens. I mean, it's a wonder he got as far as he did. I mean, I can't imagine Duncan Armstrong coming home in 1988 you know, if he was so um, so softly spoken and accepting no. of, of, of such a such a travesty, and I think it lends itself to the way that uh, you know that the swimmers are these days. You know, take Sun Yang for example. You know, he was decried for some of his behaviour, but after reading that, I can kind of understand why he would kick a vial of his own tainted urine to get uh, into the Olympics, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely, mate! In a heartbeat. <laughs> I mean, and Stevens, you know, we talk about how he could have done that. He says he'd do this all over again, which is concerning for mine. These days he works as a swim coach in Sydney, which is a nice, honest job. And But he has declared that if he had to stand down for Thorpe, he would do it all over again. And he said, it was a decision that had to be made. And Ian won as well. So I have no regrets at all. It worked well for the swim team. Mm. I mean, has this bloke learned nothing? No, he hasn't learned a thing, has he? I mean, the only thing I can kind of assume is that if he did it all again, we do live in a time of abundant reality TV shows. So perhaps he's just pinning his hopes on getting picked up for I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Yep. Content blocked by the International Olympic Committee on copyright grounds. Content blocked again. Fuck, lads, get a license.
Fuck you. Yeah!